Welcome again, everyone. Welcome Smyrna Campus. We love you guys. Everybody connecting with us online. We're so happy to have that connection with you today. This weekend, of course, is a celebration of the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. And certainly we join in honoring and remembering that legacy and continue to pray for uh, the things that he promoted and stood for in the advancement of equality and equity for everyone. We are today continuing a series that we started last week called When Less is More. And uh, we're going to continue that today with a message called Let Me Check My Schedule. If you missed last week, it's on our YouTube channel. You can go back and catch that one. Uh, all of these messages connect to each other. We talked about how things can be uh, simple but not easy. So I think you can all relate to that. hope you'll go back and watch it if you missed it. There was a man who was being tailgated by a stressed out woman out on the highway and uh, she was right on his tail. Just, you could tell she was getting more and more frustrated. Uh, he came up on a traffic light that you know how it'll turn yellow as you're just getting there, you know, and he decided he was gonna stop, didn't want to run through it and, and risk running through a red light, unlike most people in Nashville. So uh, he decided he would stop and when he stopped, it really frustrated the lady even more and she just was banging the steering wheel and yelling at the guy and just, you know, just all upset because she missed her chance to get through the light. She was going to go right on through it. And in the middle of her rant, she had a police officer tap on her window. And she rolled down the window and she said, he told her to get out of the car with her hands up. He arrested her, took her in for booking and processing, took her fingerprints, searched her, put her in a holding cell. Well, a little while later, they came back and got her out of the holding cell and took her to the counter there where they had booked her. And the arresting officer was there with all of her uh, personal items. And he said, well, I just want to apologize for this mistake. You see, when I pulled up behind your car, I saw that you had a bumper sticker that said, what would Jesus do? And one that said, follow me to church and a chrome-plated Christian fish emblem on the trunk. And naturally, I assume you had stolen the car. A good reminder, isn't it? We all tend to get stressed out. We all uh, have uh, a lot of stuff that builds up in our lives over time. And a lot of it we bring on ourselves. That's part of what we're talking about in this series is how we can do a better job and not let ourselves get so stressed out. Because when you're stressed out, you do things you wouldn't normally do, say things you wouldn't normally say, act in ways you would not normally act. And God doesn't want us to live stressed out lives. That's not his plan for us. That's not what he designed life to be like. But we have things that happen in our lives, relationship problems, finances, work, social functions, kids' activities, church activities, all those things we pile into our schedule. And we sometimes over-obligate ourselves. And that is one of the greatest contributors to stress when we have too many things going on in our lives at the same time. And it does not have to be that way. We allow ourselves to think that way and act that way by the pressures around us of the world and the people around us. We get pressured into filling our schedules more than we should with things that we don't really have to be doing. But we let them come in and take a place in our lives and take up our time and our energy and our resources and that causes us not to be able to enjoy any of those things we have packed into our schedule 
We don't get to really enjoy and be there and experience it the way God wants us to. That's why I'm excited about this message, let me check my schedule, because I, like you, have this tendency to over-schedule my life. Uh, as a pastor, I have, uh, and it's just normal, it comes with the job. You have people that want to meet with you, people that want to give you a call, people that send you an email, you need to reply. All, and, and then you've got people that want you to participate in community events and activities. And, 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 it just, and then you've got your own family and family commitments there. It, it, like everybody else, we can all just let it become too much in our lives. And I find myself a lot of times when somebody's asking me about something, my, my immediate reply almost always is, well, let me check my schedule first before I commit to that. Because there's some things on my schedule that I don't want to miss. And not only do I not want to miss them, I realize how important they are, so I, don't, I want to really be there for them. Not just present in the sense of bodily being there, I want to really be there and experience it and participate in it like I need to. If I have it on my schedule, it needs to be something I want to do that for. So we're going to look at an account today in Scripture where there is this event that takes place, and Jesus really teaches a very important lesson here. It's a very brief encounter, uh, the record of it, but it teaches us a huge lesson about our schedule and what's really important in our schedules. Turn with me, if you would, uh, to the Gospel of Luke, uh, chapter 10. We're going to start looking here at verse 38. As Jesus and his disciples were on their way, he came to a village where a woman named Martha opened her home to him. She had a sister called Mary who sat at the Lord's feet listening to what he said. But Martha was distracted by all the preparations that had to be made. She came to him and asked, Lord, don't you care that my sister has left me to do the work by myself? Tell her to help me. Sounds a little stressed, doesn't she? A little stressed out. Martha, Martha, the Lord answered, You are worried and upset about many things, but few things are needed, or indeed only one. Mary has chosen what is, what's that word? Better, and it will not be taken away from her. Jesus is not saying, Martha, you've chosen bad things. He's saying, Mary, she's chosen something better. In that moment, at that time, this was the better thing to choose. Jesus is talking about priorities. He's talking about understanding the importance of the moment in life, the opportunity that's there only for a small amount of time. How easy it would be to be distracted and stressed out about other things and miss the importance of the opportunity of the moment. And I think that happens to all of us as we get caught up in the busyness of life. So with that principle in mind, I, I, I'm going to go through these pretty quickly. On your outline, if you look at your outline, some of you take notes. I would encourage you to take notes. It's just a proven fact that if you see it and hear it and then also write it down, it sticks better for everybody. Nobody's an exception to that. It's true for everybody. If you want things to stick, it helps to do all three of those things. So you've got an outline in your bulletin. You can take notes on that. If you don't have a pen, we've got some in the pockets. But if you don't have one in the pocket, get out some eyeliner or chapstick or, or, or lipstick or something. You can take notes with that. Let's, uh, 
let, let's try to remember, let's get some things to stick here, because these principles we're going to talk about are directly from Scripture. I'm going to show you some verses that go along with this. I'm going to go through it pretty quick. There's a lot of things here, and you're not going to remember all these without writing them down or going back and reviewing them. Now, I'm going to add to this. This past week, I started something new, where uh, on usually on Monday or Tuesday, I'm going to send out uh, a uh, five-day devotional to go along with the message from that previous Sunday. We're going to email those out every week. Now, if you are not on our email list in our database, you won't get this, but you can add that today. You can add that to the database. You can give us your information, make sure it's in there, and we'll add you to that list so that you can get these emails and have those five-day devotionals. So it reviews the message. It asks some questions. It reminds you of some verses in that five-day devotional. It gets you to think about what we talked about on Sunday. I know when we add another step in there, it gets it to stick better, okay? So let's, let's all work on that together. So uh, here are some of the principles that I have found from Scripture based on this encounter Jesus has with these two sisters. The first one is this. They're all R's, by the way. I like, you know how I do that. I like that alliteration. So all these points start with an R. The first one is refocus on what matters most. Sounds easy, right? Remember, it's simple, but it's not what? Easy. This is a simple thing, but refocus on what matters most. I'm going to give you some suggestions here of some things that should matter most. They matter most to me. They should, I think, as a Christ follower, they should matter most to all of us, okay? Refocus on what matters most. The first one is relationships matter, don't they? Relationships should be important to us. They're important to Jesus. They're important to the disciples. They were important to the early church. Relationships matter. Way back in the Old Testament, in Ecclesiastes 4, verse 12, it says this, Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. What he's saying is we're stronger together in relationship with each other. That's why part of our mission statement at Lakeshore, uh, remember the three words, connect, grow, and serve. What's the first one? Connect. We connect to Christ, and through Christ we connect to each other. Why? Because we're all stronger when we're connected to Christ and each other. All of us. It's important to have that connection in your life. But it's not just that relationship with, with Christ and brothers and sisters in Christ. Other relationships matter. Jesus emphasizes marriage. He emphasizes the importance of parenting and, and being a child that honors their, their parents. His friendship is emphasized in Scripture. Relationships matter as Christ followers. What happens is, is when we fill our schedules too much, what gets left out a lot of times? Working on those relationships, keeping them strong, keeping them healthy. It's important if you're going to have a good relationship. Sometimes people say, well, I don't have any friends, but, but you have to be a friend to have friends, right? In order to be a friend, that means you invest in other people. It's not all about you. You're giving up some of your time and energy and resources and effort to pour into somebody else. That's how friendship works. If you want to have good, strong relationships, good, strong marriages, good, strong uh, connections in a church home, a church family, you have to invest yourself in that. So refocus on what matters. Relationships matter. Another thing that matters is purpose, life purpose. It's easy to fill up a schedule with no direction to it. But if you understand that you have a higher calling and purpose for your life, then you get more discerning about what things you fill your schedule with. 
We have a high and holy calling and purpose as Christ followers. Paul talked about it in Acts 20 and verse 24. He said this, However, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task, the purpose the Lord Jesus has given me, the task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. If you have tasted the grace of God in your life, there's nothing more important than sharing that with some other people. That needs to be a priority. If you're going to refocus your priorities, understand the importance of speaking out and sharing about the grace of God in your life. You see, we're all saved by grace through faith. None of us has earned it. None of us has worked our way into this. We're saved by grace. And if you've tasted that in your life and understand the value of it, then don't get so busy and overscheduled that you're not fulfilling your purpose of telling others about the grace of God. Don't let that slide. Don't let that get put on the back burner. Let that be a priority in your life. That's one of the most important things you can do. Well, relationships matter. Purpose matters. And they're all connected to what matters most. This eternity matters. The eternal things matter more than anything else. But oftentimes in the business, busyness of life, what gets pushed to the back burner? The eternal things. The things that are going to last, the things that will remain forever, they get pushed back in our schedules, in our activities, in our investments. When we look at uh, how eternity matters, I reminded in Matthew 13 of Jesus, he, he oftentimes spoke of the kingdom of heaven, and he describes what the kingdom of heaven is like. And this is one of those cases in Matthew 13, verse 44. He says, the kingdom of heaven is like a treasure hidden in a field, when a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy went and sold all he had and bought that field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and bought it. What did he decide? He decided the value of what he had found was worth more than all the other stuff his life had been so caught up with and committed to. The kingdom of heaven is that thing for us. It's the most valued treasure we could have. Nothing should get in the way in our life schedule and commitments of our focus on the eternal things of the kingdom of God. Now, it doesn't mean the other things don't matter. It doesn't mean they're not important. It means they're not as important and as valuable or worth as much as that relationship with God through His Son, Jesus, that enables us to be part of the kingdom of heaven. That's the most valuable thing we possess in our lives. So let's not let anything else get in the way of those things that are connected to the eternal things of the kingdom. That means... Things like church become a higher priority. Things like being part of a church family become a higher priority. Things like reading the Bible becomes a higher priority. Things like prayer and fasting become a higher priority in our lives because those are the eternal things of the kingdom of heaven. So they don't get pushed out of the schedule for lesser things. You see, that, that's the difference. You understand the value, so you don't let that be the thing that gets pushed out. You let a lesser thing get pushed out to make room for the things that really do matter. All right, so those things, that's just a suggestion. There are other things that matter, of course, but I just want you to look at some things that might be like the top three things 
that we really need to understand. We can't let these things get pushed out because of the busyness of our schedule. So the first principle, refocus on what matters most. The second one then, in order for us to do that, when we've decided what's important, then we need to take step two, which is to reduce the non-essentials then. So we've got the room, we've got the space for the things we've decided really do matter the most. We have to reduce the non-essentials. I've got a, a list I'm going to give you of the order of how I try to do this in light of scriptural teachings, okay? In light of scriptural teachings, there's an order to me of things, of the way I cut things out of my schedule to make things, to make space and time and energy and resources available for, for the, the more important things, right? The first area I know I need to cut, it always should be first for everybody, is what I call the bad things, okay? The things that shouldn't have been there to start with. The things that don't fit me as a Christ follower. They don't fit the description of the life of a Christ follower. They don't fit the instructions about how to live life as a Christ follower. So those things should go first. They should be put out of our lives, our schedule. James says it this way in James 1.21. He says, therefore, here's what you need to do. Get rid of all moral filth and the evil that is so prevalent and humbly accept the word planted in you, which can save you. Get out the bad stuff so you can fill that space with what? The good stuff. But some of us are holding on to some bad stuff. Or maybe you don't think you are, but it keeps creeping back in, right? It keeps coming back in and taking up some space again that it shouldn't be taking up. It's taking up some time and some energy and some focus that shouldn't be there. It could be something like uh, looking at pornography. It could be something like uh, abusing alcohol or drugs. It could be something like uh, uh, being uh, dishonest in, in how you're handling money and business and things like that. Those things keep, keep trying to find their way, creep back into your life. And we've got to put that away. We've got to rid it from our lives. That's going, taking up space with something that's really, Scripture is clear, things that are bad for us, and we're letting it take up space and time and schedule in our lives. Before you know it, it can start consuming more and more of that time and that space of your life if you don't rid your life of those things. Now, I'm saying this is simple, but it's not what? It's not easy. For some people, these things have been ingrained for a while, and it's hard to just stop. That's why one of the most frustrating things you can do is to try to stop these things in your own strength, in your own power, instead of by the power of God. You can't do this on your own. Not if you've let it become a part of your life, a habitual part of how you're living life. You in your own strength can't just magically change that. But with the help of God and the presence and the power of God, you call in brothers and sisters in Christ for accountability in those areas, put them around you, you can reprioritize your life and get rid of the bad stuff. So when we talk about reducing the non-essentials, the bad things should go first. Okay? You know those things don't belong. Let's get those things out. That'll free up time and space and energy. The second area that I focus on is what I call the neutral things. Okay? Bad things are obvious. Sometimes the neutral things are not so obvious. Nobody would say, oh, that's evil, you should not be having that as a part of your life with these things. These things, they wouldn't necessarily, uh, necessarily say they're great, but they wouldn't necessarily say they're bad. They're kind of neutral things. There's a lot of things like that in life that take up space and time and energy 
in our lives. I love what Paul says about this to the Corinthian church in 1 Corinthians 10, verse 23. Here's what he said. I have the right to do anything you say, but not everything is, what's that word? Beneficial. I have the right to do anything, but not everything is what? Oh, there's a good test to put to it. If it's something that's taking up part of your schedule, your time, your energy, your resources, ask yourself these two questions. First of all, is it beneficial? Is it really helping to have that in your life? Most neutral things aren't very beneficial. They're taking up time, they're taking up energy, they're taking up space, but they're not real beneficial to your life. And are they constructive? Are they building your life to something better? That's what constructive is, right? It, you're building on that. That's part of what you put in there to build on in your life. Is it beneficial to you? And is it constructive for your life? Is it something you want to be building your life on? I'll give you an example of a neutral thing, and I'm not trying to pick on anybody because this, you know, all of us have stuff like this. I'll give you a couple of them. Uh, there's nothing wrong with watching television, but we can spend hours in front of that television, right? There's nothing wrong with social media in and of itself. There's some bad things out there, but there's some good things out there. But we can spend hours scrolling, can't we, on social media. Uh, gaming, right? You can spend, there's nothing wrong with gaming. It's a fun thing to do for, you know, if you schedule that and you have space for it, there's nothing wrong with that, playing these games. But, but you could get so caught up in that that that's all you're doing for hours. You see, they're, they're not bad. They're not evil. They're kind of neutral. Most of them. There are also some bad ones out there, but most of them are kind of neutral things. So you have to ask yourself, is it beneficial for me to spend that much time with those things? And more importantly, is it constructive? Is that what I want to build my life on? Watching television, right? Scrolling through social media. Is that how, what my life, I want my life to be all about? My schedule to be filled with all of that? Or are there some better things I could put in that space than those things? Okay? All right, so the neutral things, we've got a right to do them. Nobody can say, you can't do that as a Christian. Most of this stuff, you, yes, of course you can and be a Christ follower, do those things. But ask yourself how much of your life and your schedule of your life, because your schedule is just breaking down your life into segments. That's all it is. How much of your life do you want to give to those things? Or how much space would you like to free up by getting rid of some of those things? All right, so you got the what? The bad things, then you got the neutral things, but there's a third category we also need to look at. I call it the good things. There's some stuff that's just, it's obvious to everybody they're good. And the thing about good things is sometimes we fill our lives with good things. They look like good opportunities. We commit to them, but then we have to say no to some things that would actually be better things. Sometimes even good things take us away from the better things, the best things. Paul talks about this in his letter to the Philippian church. In Philippians 1, beginning with verse 9, he says this. This is his prayer for them. My prayer, this is my prayer that you, your love may abound more and more in knowledge and depth of insight so that you may be able to, here's the key, discern what is what? 
best and may be pure and blameless for the day of Christ, filled with the fruit of righteousness that comes through Jesus Christ to the glory and the praise of God. Discern, be able to discern what is best. You see, what is best can get lost in a lot of other good things that we give ourselves to. That's probably my biggest challenge as a pastor. I get asked to do so many things and be at so many places and participate in so many events and support so many works. And, and I have to say no to some of those to really give myself fully and be present in the things that are the most important things for me to be doing with my life. But it's not just pastors. It's every Christ follower. We all have to look at our lives and our time and our schedule. There's only, uh, people are always saying, I just wish there was more time. There never will be, friends. You've got 24 hours just like I do of day. That's just the way it works. There's not going to be any more time. So we have to decide how we're going to give our time of our lives to the things we're going to give it to. And understand how valuable that time is. You never get it back. And you're never guaranteed a lot more. So it's important how we decide to use the time that we schedule and give to those things. So, so there are the bad things and the neutral things, and there are also the good things that, that, that aren't evil at all. They're not even neutral. Everybody would say that's a good thing to do, but you have to decide. Remember what it said in this story that Jesus shares with us, with Mary and Martha. Mary has chosen what is what? Better. She had a choice to make. Jesus is coming to the house. When you're having a special guest over, what's the, what, what are you really focused on before they get there? Cleaning the house. If they're coming during mealtime, what are you focused on? The food, getting the food ready. Jesus would have been happy if they ordered in pizza. He wasn't there for the food. He was there for the connection with the people. And sometimes we miss the better things. Because we're so caught up with lesser things. I'm not saying don't clean your house. Don't get me wrong. I'm saying sometimes there's something more pressing, more important, more valuable in the moment. Don't miss it to make yourself get all caught up in lesser things. That's what Jesus is saying to Martha here. Don't, don't miss this opportunity. How many opportunities were they going to have to sit and talk with Jesus? Right? That doesn't come along every day. They didn't, Martha didn't recognize, she didn't capture in her mind the, the value and the importance of the opportunity she had right in front of her in her house that day. And sometimes when we have friends over or kids or grandkids are there in the house with us and we're so caught up in so many other things, we don't recognize the value of that time we have with them. We miss it. The opportunity to be in fellowship with other brothers and sisters in Christ on a Sunday service. We, we, we don't recognize the value of that. We miss it for other things. Not even necessarily bad things, just other things that aren't nearly as important and valuable as that thing. So refocus on what matters most. Reduce the non-essentials. Then reprioritize your life based on that. Why is it important for you to stop and reprioritize your life? I'll tell you why. A couple of reasons. First, if you don't, other people will. They'll do it for you. 
may not be what you would have decided, may not be what you think is most important, but they have their own idea of who you ought to be, what you ought to be like, and what you ought to be doing with your time. And they'll gladly direct you the way they want you to go. They will glad you lead you, gladly lead you down the path they want you to go down. I love what uh, 1 Corinthians 7.23 says. It says this, You are bought at a price. Do not become slaves of what? Human beings. Christ purchased you with His blood. You belong to Him. Your top concern should not be, what do other people think of me? What are they going to think if I do this or don't do that? If I wear this or don't wear that? What are they going to think if I go to that event or don't go to that event? Quit worrying about what other people think more than you care about what God thinks about your life. Friends, Jesus loves you. He, he sacrificed everything for you. You know how He feels about you. And He promised to never leave you or forsake you. He's the one that matters most. And your relationship with Him should come above what anybody else thinks about your life. His opinion matters more than anybody else's opinion. Don't give other people the power to make you decide to do life the way they think you should do life. When Jesus is the one who should have that place in your heart, in your mind, in your life, not other people. Well, there's another good reason to reprioritize your life. Not just that if you don't, others will, but other order Ordering these things by priority will determine your capacity for things. Order determines capacity. It's a principle that's been there in business, it's been there in, in all of life, forever. Well, I did an illustration many years ago. Many of you have probably seen it. I saw other uh, uh, speakers do this illustration where they had this jar and they were putting the rocks in the jar, right? And they had some big rocks and they had some medium-sized rocks and then they had some little gravel uh, and sand. And they started out first with uh, uh, putting the, the little things in there first. And then they couldn't get the big rocks in at the end. Well, the big rocks represent the things that really are the most important things. So if you want to make sure you get the big, most important things done, what needs to be put first in your schedule? The big things. The big rocks. The things that matter the most. You put those things first. Order determines capacity. We already talked about some things that are Priorities for us, relationships, purpose, eternity, all right? Those are the big rocks. Put those into your schedule first. Make sure that everything else has to fit those things. They have to work around those things. Because if you don't get them in there, then all the other stuff will take up that space and you'll miss the big things. They won't get done. They won't be there. They won't be the priority that you thought you wanted them to be anymore. Because everything else is taking up that space where the big things belong. So what are the big things for you? What are the important things? What are the priorities for you? You have to decide to order your own priorities because if you don't, others will. And order will determine your capacity to do the things that you say are most important to you. If you say family is really important to you, then you can't fill your life with things that are going to rob you from your family. Those other things became the priority when you put them ahead of your family. 
you say you're married, you're committed to your marriage, it's a high priority, then don't let yourself get involved with things that aren't going to reinforce and build and strengthen your marriage. If you say that's a priority, you have to put those things in your life first. Make those a higher priority. If you say your love for God and your commitment to Jesus is the highest priority of your life, then you've got to get that in there first. Because if you don't, Satan will make sure there are plenty of other things to take up that space in your life. I hear people say all the time, well, I wish I had more time for prayer. I wish I had more time for devotion. Stop wishing and start reprioritizing your life. It won't happen by wishing. You're the only one that can change it. You're the only one that can reorder the priorities. You're the only one that can make the decisions to make it happen. Where there is time for devotion, there is time for prayer, there is time in the Word, there is time for worshiping together with the family of God on the weekends. There's, you've made space for that in your life. You haven't let other things fill that space. Anybody could fill that space with other things and then say, I don't have time for that. I just can't get it done. But anyone can decide, I'm not going to do that that way anymore. I'm going to reprioritize my life. I'm going to shift the order of priorities. I'm going to put the big rocks in first. Jesus taught about this principle in Matthew 6, beginning with verse 31. In that Sermon on the Mount, he said this, Do not worry, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the pagans run after all these things. Your heavenly Father knows that you need them. All right, so he's told us what not to do. But Jesus doesn't ever stop with just telling us what not to do. Then he says, here's the way it needs to work, verse 33. But seek first his kingdom and his righteousness, and all these other things will be given to you as well. What's he saying? Reorder your priorities. What needs to be the big rock you put in first? Seek first what? His kingdom. His righteousness. Fill everything else in around that. Right? Put the big rocks in first. And the biggest of all is seeking first the kingdom of God and his righteousness in your life. If you put that in your life first as the highest priority of your life. Again, it doesn't mean there won't be any problems. There won't be any strain. There won't be any stress. Uh, I love it when doctors say, you know, you got to get rid of the stress in your life. Uh, it's impossible to get rid of all stress. And not all stress is bad. Sometimes stress pushes you to where you need to go, right? When you're feeling the stress, it's a, it's a sign that something needs to change when you're feeling the stress. So that's not all bad that you feel stress. It's just how do you respond to it? And the way the scripture teaches us, the way Jesus teaches us, is when you're feeling the stress, you have to reprioritize. Get the big rocks back in there first. The most important things, back to the place they belong as the higher priorities of your life. Then, as you have space and opportunity, fill in those other things that are still good things. They're okay things. It's not evil for you to have them in your life as long as they're not rooting out the higher priorities of your life. Jesus is not trying to keep you from having fun in life, playing games, watching TV or a movie, spending some time on social media. He's not saying, you can't do any of that and be a Christian. That's not what the scripture teaches. But what it does teach 
is that the danger with even the good things and the neutral things is they take up the space where Jesus ought to be in your life if you let them. And we don't grow like we should. We don't mature like we should. We don't have the strength we need as a Christ follower to stand up against the temptations and the struggles that we face as we're trying to follow Jesus. Because we let other things fill the space in our lives where Jesus should have been all along. Let's make sure we seek first his kingdom and his righteousness. And he promises then, everything else, it'll fall into place. It'll be taken care of like it needs to be when we get that one right. Well, I want to close with this last one. It's obvious that we... We need to reprioritize our lives. But here's the next thing, the final thing. Here, here, here's the one. It's simple, but it's not easy. Start when? Now. <laughs> Start now. Not say, well, that sounds good. I'm going to do that. A lot of people leave church thinking, man, that was a great message. I really enjoyed that. And, and man, I know I need to do those things. But what do we get right back to? Life scheduled the way it always has been. We fall right back into the habits and the schedule and the activities that were already there. And when we fall right back into that, what changes? Nothing. Except it might get worse over time. That's the only thing that changes. So we have to make a decision to start when? Now. The sooner you start, the sooner you will begin to experience the benefits that come with reprioritizing your life. The longer you delay, hear me please, the longer you delay, the harder it is to get back to it and get it done. That's true with almost anything that's hard to do. It's the longer you put it off, the harder it, goes, it gets to get back to it and get it done. Whatever it is the longer you put it off. I, I can't tell you how many times I dreaded doing something and I kept putting it off and I kept putting it off. And when I finally did it, I felt such a relief. And I'll say to myself, like maybe you do, why didn't I just do that two weeks ago? Right? Haven't you ever felt that? Tell me about the only one, please. Yeah. Man, why don't I just do it now? If I know it's the right thing and it needs to be done and it would help my life, why don't I just go ahead and start now? There's some really good reasons to start now. One is the benefits you're going to feel immediately when you start doing it the different way. But the other is, how much time do you know you have? All you know you have is what? Now. That's all you know you have. So if it's really important, if it's really a priority and you know you want to do this, when's the best time to start? Right now. In Matthew 11, beginning with verse 28, Jesus is teaching his disciples an important principle about a misunderstanding most people have about what it means to follow Jesus. This misunderstanding comes from a lot of sources. For Jesus' day, a lot of it came from the legalism of the Jewish leaders of their day. They had made being a godly person 
nothing but a list of rules and regulations and do's and don'ts, and it was just becoming a burden to try to do it anymore because nobody could live up to it, right? Not only did they have the law of God, they added hundreds of their own laws to fully explain and give details to what God's law really meant and how people needed to follow all that. And, and people were burdened by it. Do you remember when Jesus' disciples were criticized? They got Jesus off to the side and they said, uh, we saw your disciples, they were gleaning some things out of the field on the Sabbath day. They shouldn't be doing that on the Sabbath day. You know, when they, they had this law where if they had a field of crops, they would leave the outside edge of the field open for people that were needy to be able to get some food if they needed it. And the disciples were traveling from one place to another, and they, they were getting some food, some gleaning some food out of a field. And they said, they shouldn't be doing that on the Sabbath. You know what Jesus said? Man, you've got the Sabbath all misunderstood. It's supposed to be a benefit to man, not a burden to man. The Sabbath was made to bless man, not to, to cause more of a problem for you. People misunderstand that what it means to be a Christ follower is not more stuff to do in your schedule. That's not what it means. I just got to start doing this and start doing that if I'm going to be a Christian. And I can't fit it in. I can't do any more than I'm doing right now. That's not what it means to follow Jesus. It means let go of everything and reprioritize and start fresh. But this time, do it a better way where you do have rest and fulfillment and joy, even in the midst of the challenges and the struggles. See, Jesus doesn't want to burden your life. He wants to bless your life. He wants to make it better, not harder. He wants it to be simplified, but down to the things that matter the most as the highest priority. See, when you do that, there's greater peace, there's greater joy, there's more really opportunity to be at rest in life when you do it that way. Listen to Jesus' words from Matthew 11, beginning with verse 28. Come to me, all you who are, what? Weary and burdened. Can you relate to the weary and burdened part? We fill our lives with all this stuff and it wearies us and it burdens us. It takes away the joy. It takes away the peace. We're there, but we're not really there. We're present, but we're not really present with our families, our friends. Church seems like another burden on the schedule. We, you know, they expect me to be at church, and then they say we ought to serve. You know, uh, the last uh, message in this series is going to be about simplifying church life too. We're going to talk more about that. But he doesn't want it to be a burden. He wants it to be a blessing. To follow him, listen to the rest. Come to me. He's inviting us to come, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you a list of things to do. Is that what he said? Oh, no. He says, I'll give you a list of things to stop doing. Is that what he said? No. What does he say he's going to give us when we come to him? Rest. Oh, doesn't that sound nice? Come to me. If you're weary and you're burdened, and I will give you what? Rest. Rest. How many of you could use some rest right now? You started out this new year full speed, man. 
You made all these commitments and resolutions of how you want to change your life and do all this stuff that you weren't doing before, and you just added more to your busyness that you already had. And there's no rest. We live in a culture that is so counter to the clear teaching of Jesus, the clear teaching of God's Word. God even tells us clearly, be still and know that I am God. Be what? Boy, we don't like to be still very long. We see that as a negative. We see that as, what, what did I miss, right? If I have a little downtime and, and, and I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing, it's like, I better get and look at my calendar on my laptop because I must have missed something if I have some free time here. It's like it's not supposed to be there. But Jesus says, come unto me, all you that are weary and burdened, and I will give you what? It doesn't mean there's nothing to do. It means there's a place where you can actually experience rest, peace, contentment. I don't have to feel pressured all the time. He says in verse 29, Take my yoke upon you and learn from me. I am gentle and humble in heart. And you will find, here it is again, you'll find what? Rest for your what? Oh, soul rest. (laughs) That's the best rest of all. When things are right here, when things are where they need to be in here, when your life is where it needs to be from the inside out, that's when you can really enjoy rest. Rest in your soul. Your soul is you. It's who you really are. It's not all the outward trappings and the appearances and the stuff. It's really you. He wants to give you rest for your soul. That's the sweetest rest of all, is rest for your soul. Now, how do we find that rest? Listen, he says, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. He says, you know how you get this rest? You know where you go for it? He says, yoke up with me. That's where you're going to find this life. It's when you live it yoked up with me. I know we got a whole generation here that has never seen a yoke, probably. And that's okay. You can Google it. Thanks to our great technology today, you can see what a yoke is. A yoke was most often used to have animals hooked up to each other to pull together to get something done, right? And they have a purpose. You yoke up the animals. Usually it was to do something like plow a field or harvest a crop or something like that, right? Now, here's the thing. You could have one animal hooked up without a yoke to any other animals, and you could just ride them and use them and wear them down until they die. Or you could do something better for the animal. What would be better for that animal? Yoke it up to another one because what happens? Both animals have a lighter load that way. Both animals are able to accomplish more that way when they're yoked up together. Who better to be yoked up with than the creator, sustainer, redeemer, of life to get yoked up with him is the first step in finding rest for your souls because without that yoking with Jesus our souls will never be at rest we'll be at odds with God we'll be at odds with each other life will be more and more of a burden but if we yoke up with Jesus he takes on his shoulders 
those things that we can't bear up ourselves. He takes upon himself our sin, our faults, our failures, our shortcomings. He takes that on himself. He bears the weight of those things so that yoked up with him, our load is made lighter by being yoked up with Jesus. Maybe there's someone today who needs to take that step of being yoked with him. He says, for my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Maybe today you're ready to find rest for your souls. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that in Christ we find that the, the news is, is simple, but it's not easy. We have to get our pride out of the way. We've got to get our own stubbornness out of the way. We've got to be willing to humble ourselves, get still, and make that decision. It can be made even today. So stop trying to do this on our own, on our own strength, on our own power, in our own way, or the way the world's telling us to do it. Instead, to yoke up today with Jesus. To let him lead and direct and guide and provide. And take that burden off of us. I pray for those hearts and those minds that are struggling today with the stress and the difficulties that they're facing. I pray that they would see Jesus as the one. As the answer. As the one who loves them so much that he gave everything for them. The one, the one to whom they need to be yoked right now. I pray that your spirit and your word would prompt them to take those steps even today. In Jesus' name, amen.